What I love most about Mi Gente is our community and how important it is to take care of our own. Hey, it's Honey and Carolina. On our podcast, Life in Spanglish, we talk about how important being there for your loved ones is. Pero también sobre lo importante que es tener a alguien dispuesto a apoyarte cuando lo necesites, como lo hace State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinz Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm. Proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It's the Custard TV Podcast. The Custard TV Podcast is on thecustardtv.com. I'm Luke. I edit the podcast as I edit the site. Mo Walker's here from, from America all the way. He's made the trip. Hi, Mo. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Luke and Matt. Well, we were just saying I, I quipped about the word y'all, and I'm never really sure about it. How many people are covered in y'all? Is it one person? Is it a group of people? I don't really understand when I'm supposed to use it. I mean, I'm not supposed to use it at all here, but should I ever get invited around to yours or to y'alls, I want to know what to say and how to use it the best. I would use it to cover at at least uh, two people and up. You're all on the podcast. That's all right because there's Matt yes. and yourself. Okay, good. And you're listening because there might be more than two people listening. We can hope. <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure there are more than two people. <laughs> at least four. Uh, Matt, you were also reading while I was messing about here. You were reading an article that I wanted you to share with the people. It's uh, popped up on just, you know, the what's happening thing on Twitter on the side. Um, It popped up there and it's a couple married despite never meeting in real life. Um, And this is a story from the Liverpool Echo uh, with a student from the Northwest, Ice, who met Darren, who's from America, online. And after becoming an official item, the couple continued to share a weekly date night. Knowing it would be a long time before they get to meet for the first time, the couple made the brave decision to get married via Zoom. And there's a little, there's the accompanying picture on Twitter is um, the the girl sitting next to sort of, I called it a pillow, but it's more of like a plush toy. A toy of uh, a plush toy of Kenny from South Park because he's wearing one of those. <laughs> if he looks like that, I'd be so pleased that the it, guy looks like it, that. It's basically like him wearing a parka. It's like a, a photo image of his face, and then it's a little sort of plush toy, and then he's next to her on on the laptop screen. Wow. I mean, I was gonna say I thought you were describing an episode of Ninety Day Fiance. I, I I I get that reference. Yeah, yes. we we get what what channel is it over here? TLC. Yeah, I tell you what I'm into now, Mo, and I feel the podcast is a safe space. I'm into Doctor Pimple Popper. Have you seen her? Oh, have you seen oh. her? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I feel like I've opened well, a wound. I didn't expect. Oh, that. You did. Oh, you you oh, seriously oh, opened first a pimple. You, 
Man, okay, yeah, yeah, I can tell you some stories about some relatives. Among, okay. Well, yeah, uh, my partner's uh, mother who yeah. j- who just loves Dr. Pimple. Yeah. Of course she does. She's a nor- <laughs> of course she does. She's a normal person. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. We've got three, well, two quite hard-hitting shows this week, and one... Which is already my fa- one of my favourite shows of the entire year. Um, so we'll start. What we've got is we've got um, In My Skin, which is a writer Kaylee Llewellyn's semi-autobiographical comedy drama about a young girl growing up in Cardiff with her parents, um, one of which is bipolar, and just the way she deals with that and how she navigates teen life while having this hectic and somewhat dysfunctional home life. Then we have um, Dope Sick, which bizarrely is airing as part of Star on Disney+, Plus, but it's a Hulu show that is all over and done with in the US. And then uh, to coincide with the launch of Peacock on Sky, I chose a Peacock show, which didn't coincide with the launch of Peacock on Sky, which is uh, Girls 5 Ever, which is a comedy about a, a, a girl group that had one big hit in the early noughties or late 90s, and a and are going to reform after their song is sampled. Uh, if you've been visiting my Twitter or the website of late, you'll know I've almost been spamming people on my timeline uh, with an article I wrote about why In My Skin is one of the best BBC dramas of the year and how it frustrates the bejesus, which is another American phrase that I'm going to put into the podcast more often. Um, just that was a dry run. I hope it went well. It irritates the bejesus. Oh, I can't do it now. (laughs) Bejesus. That isn't better known and better respected and that people aren't shouting about its brilliance from the top. Um, I asked Matt and Mo to watch uh, the 10 episodes, which are all available now on the iPlayer. Mo very kindly did uh, series one and episode one of series two. And Matt binged the whole thing relatively quickly. And it is Matt who I passed the podcast baton over to walk us through the, the the plot of In My Skin. We missed this the first time around. The first series aired last March, which I suppose I we, saw it other origi- things... Yeah, I saw well, it eventually last year, but I couldn't tell you when. The first series is about Beth and this teenager when she's sort of 15, 16, I think she's yeah. she's meant to be. We see her with her school friends initially. We've got Travis, who is her gay best friend and then Lydia who is this more sort of anarchic character you know she's drinking she's swearing we then see her go home and then she's woken up in the night uh, by her mum she's dancing in the street waking up the neighbours and and at that point we realised mum has got bipolar she then has to check mum into a security unit and and eventually she's she's put on a section the only people who know about mum's condition is obviously dad who is a alcoholic and is is somewhat abusive to mum when she's at home and nan who is i didn't realize this till later is actually dad's mum you know because she is quite maternal to bethan's mum as well trina 
the other story in in series one is Bethan's um, infatuation with Poppy, who's the like the popular girl in school. She's sort of the shoe in to be head girl. When Bethan gets published in this um, anthology, she gets a poem published about how she's feeling, her home life, and then will you know shoo it off saying, oh, you know, I just made this up to get the teachers on side. It's at that point that Poppy then sort of gravitates towards her and 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 invites her around to her house and things like that. The second series, I found a bit of an odd adjustment because they didn't say that they've moved on a couple of years because at the end we find out they've all, they're all turned 18, don't we? And I don't think they, yeah. for me, made that clear that we're now looking at, at uni because there's an episode where they all go for a tour around the uni. And um, the second series sees her get a new love interest in Cam, who is this very well-spoken Mancunian who can drive and she's instantly attracted to her. Mum has also moved on, has has come out of the unit, is now working with Nan at the bingo and everything seems to be going a lot better as the cliffhanger for the first, I believe it's the first episode, isn't it, in where we find out that she's now having an affair with um, another guy who works at the bingo. I'm really interested in Mo's thoughts on this, Luke, because obviously we know your thoughts. We've read we've read the website. Mo, what 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 were your feelings on this? In my skin's a show where where you literally have to get into the skin of of Betham. and I think for the first two episodes of ser- series one, I did struggle a little bit to embrace this world, not because of any of any poor acting or poor writing choices. It was just so heavy and it just so felt so visceral and real. You know, Betham is trying to compartmentalize. She's tried to, you know, obviously, you know, help her mother, help Trina and deal with all the issues that Trina has at the same time, trying to have a normal, quote unquote, normal teen life and just really try to, you know, make sure that her friends don't understand how chaotic her home life is. And even, you know, when since the episode, and that was much later on in series one, where um, her English instructor shows up at her house looking for her because she she'd missed the GCSE exam. And something happened by about episode three. And I just I just felt a bit more ease. What I will say is there something about about her nan really just reminds me of like a if if like Nessa from Gavin and Stacy like if she was like <laughs> like Nessa what if Nessa was a grandmother like this is what Nessa would be. Sorry to cut you off a little bit there, Mo, but didn't she play Ruth Jones's aunt or nan in, in Stella, which is a, a drama over here? Oh yeah, you're right. She okay, did. yeah, That's yeah. Have you yeah. seen Stella? No. Yes, I've seen a few episodes yeah. of Stella. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a whole podcast where we just list shows and find out whether Mo's seen them because it's absolutely fascinating that this guy from West Virginia would have seen all of Gavin and Stacey and seen Stella. There's a whole episode where I just pick 60 shows and find out if you've seen them or not because it, it does interest me. Well, I'm not from West Virginia. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't want to leave where are you from again? I'm actually from Charlottesville. I'm from oh, Charlottesville, Charlottesville, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you Google Charlottesville. You know, we're you... infamous enough. I find it really fascinating because I was trying to figure out, um, in terms of Betham's friend circle, like how long she's been friends with uh, Travis and Lydia. Uh, because it, they, they hinted at it at some point when Lydia brings up that she's known Betham since they were 
like young children or something. So it's just it just struck me as a little odd that Lydia doesn't know more about Bethlehem's home life. She's created this role for herself and she's become so adept at saying, well, my, she just probably said all her life, my mum's at work, my mum's too busy, I'll come yeah. round to yours, you know. It's just a role she's played for so long and she can't let go of it. And so they even w- though these are her best friends in the world, she can't let them into the world through feeling feeling ashamed of what they might think of her and her family if she were to. There was a line in there where she said she's been lying since she was eight or something mm. like that. Was they did address that in a, in a line. She definitely made a point of saying, "I've been doing this since I was eight. It is as if Bethlehem has like a secret identity. She literally mm. does. You know, yeah. her home life versus her school life, and the two can never meet. What I find fascinating about the lead character of Bethan is that she manages through both her own intelligence and through playing this secondary role that she's had to be since she was eight, she manages to make herself likable to just about everybody, even the teacher characters. They're not stereotypical teachers. The two female teachers in her life do really care about her and do really worry about her and and do seem to genuinely like her. And then you've got Poppy, who is probably not a good fit for for Bethan at all. But she's able, in later on in Series 2, to address, I know what you saw, can you keep it quiet? And even though they've drifted apart, she does keep it quiet because Bethan is an easy-to-like person. She's just warm and charming to everyone. And I think that's why the series works so well, because Gabrielle Creevy, who plays that role, just brings a great amount of warmth to her. And you almost feel like she's even playing a role within her friendship group, because educationally, she's probably left, especially Lydia, behind. But she's so loyal to her friends, like she's loyal to her mum. And you see how she becomes a different person when she's with her mum and how she's quite timid and afraid in the, in this secure unit. Series 2 is, is absolutely fantastic and I applaud you to carry on with it because the relationship she develops with this girl from Manchester who comes down and sort of enters her world is just one of the most tender, genuine, sweet relationships of any couple I've ever seen on TV and it's handled with such sensitivity and I really... I really love this show. I think it's not only one of my favourites of the this year, but I think it's going to stick with me for a long time. And it, it's times like these that I'm really glad that the three of us have a platform where we can just talk about a show that's really special to us. I don't think I mentioned in my setup that Kaylee Llewellyn, the writer, has based this on her own experiences. Certainly, she had a mum who had mental health difficulties. The dad in this is very much a layabout drunk. You know, there's scenes where she goes home and his friends are in the house and snorting cocaine and she ends up going to sleep in the shed of a neighbour or something like that. Mm. It is very harrowing, but I think what works is those scenes when she's at school and you have those more funny moments. I think what Kaylee Llewellyn gets so right is how teenagers are just idiots sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah. i think you you don't see that enough in depictions of teenagers on tv i mean we do like stuff like euphoria but those teenagers aren't like the teenagers i think we were or you know you remember of of your school days yeah i agree like for the most part they do stupid teen things but they're likable the characters mm. are still mostly likable and mm. as matt said that that's one of the draws because you can't have these shows 
where the teen characters are doing really stupid things, but they're annoying. Those scenes are, are balanced quite well. You know, the the school scenes opposite the scenes of her home life. And I think as well, the Nana character, you know, does bring some lightness of touch to it. And, you know, she is this force of nature. It moves at a good pace, you know, and the, the fact these episodes are half an hour really helps um, just sort of... You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tudor Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show, Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh, yes. La buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent, you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals plus they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs especially when those unexpected turns come up it's the personalized attention you can count on aprende más en es.statefarm.com como un buen vecino state farm está ahí so you know there's no wasted moments i think that's what i'm trying to say that every every minute counts in telling this story and i think even like the secondary characters to an extent like lydia gets a story in the first series where she may have been abused by the guy who runs the chip shop there's little moments like that i think it does really well and again it goes to kaylee llewellyn's sort of experiences of this the authenticity is there you know obviously myself having a background in working in social care I've heard a lot of these stories about, you know, children. Bethan's essentially a young carer, is what she is, yeah, yeah. to mum, because dad won't lift a finger. You know, I've, I've talked to people down the phone about this. You know, it's, it's seeing that reality on screen. It did really well in creating characters who are realistic because they are, they're not all good and bad. There's shades of grey there with everyone. Even Dad, who is this monster, you know, that there, there are little moments there. There's that scene where Bethan is preparing her speech for her girl and she's ironing and she's she's going through her speech and Dad comes down and just says... I love hearing when you talk like that because it makes me so proud or something along those lines. Just those little moments and, you know, the the performances here as well. I know you mentioned uh, Gabrielle Creevy who ties this together brilliantly and it's just fantastic. I think that there are some scenes in, in the second series where because she puts on such a brave face, Bethan does, that she barely, you know, and she's, as you say, she's leading this double life. She's having to tell all these lies to everyone, like, oh, we're building a conservatory at the moment. Oh, I couldn't come round because, you know, my dad had injured his finger and we were in A&E or, you know, we had to go to the ballet. You know, she's got excuses for everything and she's the main carer for mum. She's having to do all these different things and that guard never slips. And when it does, 
she's so brilliant in the emotional moments. And this might sound like, I don't know, a faint praise, but she's such a brilliant crier because it's not for, she's got, there are, there, are two, there are two scenes in, in the second series, I think towards the end, where she's crying, but it's like a couple of tears rolling down her face. She's not blubbing. She's crying like the, the character would, like Beth and Wood. Joe Hartley's performance as well is oh, absolutely fantastic as Trina the Mock. mind. What she's able to do, Bipolar is all about uh, the transformation. And to see at the start of this second series, Trina doing so well and just enjoying the normalcy in life and working at the bingo hall and then for her life to come crashing down around her, which I don't think we should spoil why. Those sequences that lead to her next breakdown and next visit to that unit were so harrowing and just awful. Her body language changes, her eyes are bigger, she's brusher, she's louder, she's not aggressive, but she's got an air of danger to it. And Bethan, as long as she's been doing this and caring for her mum, she still struggles to calm down and to get her mum back to the right space again and the fact that she felt the ability to call her girlfriend Cam in that second series and have her drive her to the unit was almost the biggest revelation of the entire series because Bethan as we keep saying has kept this hidden and she's allowed this one person in her life who is on the outside in and what I love about the character of Cam is she just says You've no need to be ashamed. I'll be there with you whenever you want. And that relationship was one of the best things of the series for me. I liked as well how Cam thought that she was being kept from mm. meeting Mum because she was black. And that's one of the things. And, know. you know, when Bethan's confronted with this, she's like shocked. You know, she's never actually thought about that. You know, she's the one keeping all these secrets. And it's like, you know, what impact does me keeping things from people I, I love have on them and you know obviously we do get the reveals at the end I think that final episode was absolutely you know it was a little bit longer mm. but it was it was absolutely brilliant it's, there's like a five minute scene which is just yeah. Gabrielle Creevy and Joe Martin together isn't it and that scene Joe Hartley. Joe Hartley sorry you know she talks about having several miscarriages and having a, a stillborn child before uh, Bethan was born and just that is you know one of the most powerful scenes I've seen on TV for some yeah. for some time and there yeah. and there and you know you mentioned the teachers as you say they're both sort of protective of bethan and can see greatness in her especially the you know the english the english teacher and there's that there is that lovely scene between them in the last episode as well and you know and there's that scene where they the two teachers do the uh the performance at the, I love at the, that, union. the university yeah i love that. I won't, won't spoil it for mo completely it is just real life, isn't it? It's yeah. it's all the ups and downs that we experience. And there are young people going through these sort of things on a daily basis and they are hidden. And the fact that Kaylee Llewellyn is depicting something that I don't think we've seen before in, in this, you know, maybe on a soap or something like that, but in a, you know, a BBC drama, I don't think it's been shown before. And it, it's such an intricately told story and as you say, it's warm. There are moments of humour. I did laugh at certain points of this. It yeah. gets everything just right. You know, no yeah. no one is completely the bad guy, but there are lots of shades of grey. And, you know, I, I, I think it's fantastically told. I think the thing we should end on is asking Mo about how he dealt with some of the, the sort of the more broader Welsh, you know, the accents in this. Well, honestly, I, I'm, I'm very thankful to have access to... Uh subtitles it didn't turn me off at all 
No, so, no. I mean, that's why we have subtitles these days. If you have problems with the access, just turn on subtitles. It's perfectly fine. I said to Luke that you you managed to like how many other series of Monica the Glen, and those were quite strong Scottish accents. Yeah. There is a mini-series about Moe's life <laughs> and where Monica the Glen fits in, and I just hope that somebody, perhaps a streamer will pick it up and we'll get it eventually, <laughs> I don't know. Or, you know, like we've got Young Rock and Young Sheldon, we do Young Mo and we just see him, how he discovers Watching all these shows. As time goes by. <laughs> well, you know, I can turn that on. My PBS Plus have that on like Tuesday nights or something. So I, can <laughs> there you go. I wanted to say finally about this that I have spent the majority of the last of this year and the back half of last year saying the BBC don't make drama like they used to. They don't make these down-to-earth, humane pieces of drama anymore. And for the most part, I am right. And I will fight anyone who wants to tell me that Vigil is a better show than this, that Show Trial is a, is a more prime-time show than this. And yes, this perhaps isn't for a nine-Sunday night audience, but it is certainly the sort of show I want the BBC to be making. And the fact that they have made it and they've just shoved it onto iPlayer and tell virtually no one about it if I wasn't in the TV bubble, we often talk about the fact that my Twitter timeline is is a complete TV critics and TV fans bubble. If I wasn't in those and I was looking for something of my interest, I would have missed this entirely. And that is entirely down to the poor promotion that BBC have given this. And I think I, it's a real shame. It's I also... think what we say, though, Luke, the, the fact that it is his in a way, it's not something that the BBC can market i think that's the that's the issue you know they can market a vigil they can market a show trial because it's from the makers of line of duty it's you know people that you recognize for the most part this is a bbc3 program and unfortunately yeah. that means it is right. hidden away and i don't think it would have been made by one of the two bigger channels and i think if if it had been there would have been a lot more notes and it would have been boiled down and we would have lost some of the subtleties that the we, we really, you know, I think you get less interference if you are on BBC Three because they are mm. appealing to a young, you know, we've got a younger protagonist here, and you know, I don't think as many people would have been talking about normal people last year had that not been on primetime BBC out of necessity. That should have been hidden away on iPlayer, as you say. And I suppose that had the added thing of being based on a book that people knew as well. So that, you know, that there's nothing here to sort of hook a casual viewer. You know, we were talking about last podcast about the, the nine o'clock audience. So I'll sit down and watch this three part thriller because it's got people I know in it. It's going to finish on Wednesday. It's not going to tax my brain. It's not going to have many sort of talking points, things to think about once the credits have rolled. Those you know are the sort I of dramas... You know what I hate, Mo, if you're there and you don't yeah, drift away. I hate no. it when he's right. <laughs> because I just made a real impassioned speech there that I stand by. And yeah, here he comes, Mr. Pragmatic and Mr. Right and Mr. Man of the People and just 
makes tremendously good points that I can't at all knock down. It's, I'm not saying it's right, and I think it's no, but a shame. that's the reason for it. Uh, it's a shame that that's the attitude that people have, but at the end of the day, TV is an industry, and this, unfortunately, is a really hard show to sell in, like, one sentence. So it's about a Welsh teenager whose mum's bipolar, whose dad's a, a drunk and is abusive, you know, or who's going to want to watch that, you know, after they've I had did. the dinner. I know you, okay. but you're yeah. you're an anom anomaly, and you're as well someone who doesn't sort of work is not sort of working at the office or working at a supermarket, coming home, no. making the tea, and then switching on whatever. You know, you're watching a lot of different shows. You've got much more of a knowledge base of what's going on than the average Joe or Joanna. Unfortunately, this isn't going to reach that audience. I think no. it's. I, I was saying to you earlier when. BBC Three comes back to being a channel. They need to make a point of showcasing the things that people may have missed in the five yeah, or so years. And, and I think they did start strong with having 13 was the show that they launched the BBC Three online with, didn't they? And they had that on BBC Two at quite a reasonable hour. And then after that, everything else, apart from like the odd sort of thing of like a normal people or a was was i may destroy you was that a bbc3 or yeah but it was a weird one that one because it yes yeah. it was though so they, they they're the sort of anomalies but a lot of the stuff is is hidden away and you're having to rely on on people like us to sort of point you towards it well then we're doing our job and i should yeah. say if if like mo you're in america but you don't have access to the iplayer this got rave reviews when it turned up on hulu last year as well so both series of In My, In My Skin are on BBC iPlayer now. I can't say enough good things, but considering we've only got three shows to talk about and we're already 45 minutes into the podcast, I think we should move and on. What I, what I would say is it looks like we've already lost Gabrielle Creevy to America because she's doing a show on Showtime next, isn't yes. she? She's working oh, on a thing called Three Women. Jaylene Woodley and Betty Gilpin are in it as well. I mean, that's already piqued my interest. She's one of the lead characters, isn't she, mm. I believe? She's one of the three women. And Blair Underwood is in this as well. Yeah. Anyway, we will move. What What do we do? Do we go slightly? Uh, I would drama? say I would say go go to Don't Sick next, yeah. and then we'll end with Girls Five Ever. I agree. Okay. Well, I'll do that then because my opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> Don't Sick uh, is currently uh, airing an episode a week. Uh, it dropped three over uh, a couple of weeks ago on Disney Plus. Under the Star Banner, this is an eight-part drama series created by Danny Strong, who you may know was in Gilmore Girls. So this is about the Sackler family, the evil, nasty, horrendous Sackler family, who I have been following through various documentaries. If you enjoyed this episode when you see it, I urge you to seek out HBO's wonderful two-part documentary called The Crime of the Century, because it basically tells us this story, but with the real people, uh, is one of the most harrowing uh, documentaries I've ever seen and makes me incredibly angry that this was allowed to happen. So this follows the Purdue Pharma scandal into turning OxyContin, a drug that they sold as being not addictive and said only 1% of the patients that took it would become addicted. They sold it to country bumpkin doctors and to big surgeons and everyone they could and caused an opioid epidemic that is still raging to this day in the US. We start in 1996 where Richard Sackler is trying to make the most of having 
a deal with this company, the coating company, if they lose it, it's going to lose a big portion of their profits every year. So he comes up with a way of saying we're going to combine OxyContin, we're going to say it's a new era of pain management, we're going to change the way doctors view treating pain, and we're going to put it all in this one pill, and we can upsell it, we can get our reps to go around and recommend different doses for different pain thresholds and things. It does a lot of flashing around in time. So we also see doctors like Michael Keaton's GP testify in front of a grand jury in 2005 as to what he understood Purdue were doing and now what he knows it is. He says he can't believe how many of his patients that he gave it to are now dead. When we do see Dr. Phoenix in his area, he works in a mining town. Whereabouts is it, Mo? Because I couldn't find out whereabouts it was. So it's not a real town. It is based on a part of Virginia called Clifton Forge. It's okay. Appalachian country south side, Virginia. Yeah. Uh, he is the kind of local GP that will check in on his patients at home, make sure they've had the drugs. He's, he's brought a lot of the teens in the town into the world. He's delivered them. And he sort of, he's the sort of GP that we don't have anymore, who knows everybody by their name and is well-respected in the community. And a lot of his patients are workers of the local mine. It's still a, a big industry there. And we meet Betsy, played by Caitlin Diva, who is a closeted lesbian who works down the mine with her conservative father. And we see her have an accident, which means that she has to go and see uh, through gritty teeth Michael Keaton's character uh, after she suffers a horrific back injury. We then meet Peter Skarsgård and Rick Mountcastle as these FBI agents who get a tip-off of the dangers of OxyContin when they realise that crime has shot up over the time that it's been around and people desperate to get their hands on it been robbing pharmacies and robbing homes. It's a difficult story to tell and I think Danny Strong has done an excellent job. I know that you're going to poo-poo all over me because it does go 2005, 1996, all over the place and you don't have to keep your wits about you where you are. But I just found every character in this really interesting. There's almost this awful ticking clock of you see Betsy, this, as I say, closeted lesbian, find love and also, unfortunately, find this drug. You already know the awful path that she's about to head down. We meet Will Poulter as this drug rep who is sort of conflicted by what he's doing but he is assigned to Michael Keaton and has to sort of convince him to take on the drug and prescribe more doses to more people and in a later episode Michael Keaton finds himself being offered the drug as well when he's in, in need of it. It's a really fascinating example of true life drama that I, I really enjoy. I mean enjoy is the wrong word but I really respected what it was doing. I think it tells the story brilliantly. It puts these people as real people. It doesn't ever feel like over-dramatised. The Sacklers feel a little bit caricature. If I'm going to be really nitpicky, there's some really weird performances from them as a family, but then I hate them so much. Very me. Succession-esque, isn't it? Yes, that side of it them. Yeah, in terms of how they run the business aspects, but... In terms yeah. of them, is is their portrayals? They come across the Sacklers in this come across as more grounded villains. 
They're well you aware know. of what they're doing. They're well oh, yeah. aware of what I mean, they're doing. Yeah. I don't know how many people would watch this and be aware of the American medical situation, but there's also this thing of they can get around the FDA and they can change it and they can, you know, send these reps out and have them bribe. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off. Plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. These doctors through unscrupulous means. I just think it's it's a fascinating show and I... I felt like I knew enough about it going in and maybe that was advantageous to me. But either way, I fell under its spell and I've seen half of the series and and are really engaged with it. Let's go to Mo first again. I mean, did this literally hit close to home? Literally in some ways, yeah. Um, Thankfully, I haven't experienced someone in in my family or close circle who's had opioid or even Oxycontin uh, addiction issues. But certainly... I've had family members who have suffered from addiction issues. So so with, with regard to that, I, I certainly under, understand on the literal sense that this hit close to home in terms of a lot of the filming scenes where the Sacklers were in the museum and so forth. It is a museum in my state's capital, uh, the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts. Some of those scenes are literally like places, oh yeah, I've walked through there. <laughs> um, one of the things I will say is is that Rosario Dawson's character, Bridget Mayer, I in, didn't in bring that her sec- up. I'm ever so sorry, I didn't bring her up. And her being, you know, a person of color and a character, her character, also brings in this interesting context because opioid addiction is is seen as very different as you know the crack epidemic of the '80s. And Rosario Dawson's character does a really good job of breaking down those differences in that second episode so it's nice that they do touch upon that because there is this sort of racial aspect to how this opioid epidemic is treated in the united states versus the crack epidemic where opioid epidemic maybe it was predominantly white or 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 non-people of color sort of socioeconomic isn't it it's poorer people that well, well, that's well, how yeah. I understood it anyway. Yes, but I'm also talking in terms of literally how drug policies are leveled and how people are prosecuted and, and offended. And so, so, I mean, that, that goes deeper than certainly what this show is. But I do mm. appreciate Rosario Dawson's character touching upon that because there is a racial context to that. Mm. But I will say that I, I like the fact 
that the show takes the time in the first episode to really set things up. So we do see Michael Keaton's Dr. Phoenix in his town, how he's connected to these people, because at the end of it, you know, he's the kind of domino effect to how Oxy sort of invades, literally invades this community and how that connects with Peter Sarsgaard's character, Rick Montcastle, and things that are going on in another part of the state in Roanoke, Virginia. And then the Sacklers themselves. So it's really interesting how the show is able to jump across to these different pockets and how it all interweaves. I got a little confused in the first two episodes, occasionally with the different time jumps. I certainly appreciated Mm. that they literally listed it. Oh, it's 1996. It's 19... See, I like that weirdly. The sort of the, the year coming across the screen at you. I kind of appreciated that as a device. Although I have moaned about other uses of that in other things. But for this, I can't think of another way. If you tell it, as I always like it, from A, B, C or D, you're not going to have enough time with each character, really, are you? And the fact that Michael Keaton's character is haunted, you know, he did this out of his genuine belief that he was helping people. Will Poulter's character as this drug rep almost abuses his power at every turn when he's with... Michael Keaton's character, he's haunted still by all the people he feels he let down by prescribing the drug. Well, poor, he's he's just, he's he's a very interesting character because yeah. he, you know it literally is he is on this knife edge because you can see in his portrayal he is abusing those characters, but at the same time he's conflicted about how he's pushing the drugs for him. It's like, well, this is a job, and I want respect, notoriety, all these things that that comes with doing well, you know, because really, there was that scene where he, like, literally, like, Will Will Porter's, uh, sorry, Will Porter's uh, Billy Cutler, his body language just shifted when uh, Richard Sackler calls him at night and gives him this pep talk. He's like, yes, sir, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm really into this, and I'm part of this organization. He's, he's an interesting character. I'm curious to see where this character yeah. goes. For me, I think because I know it's all true, because I've seen Louis Theroux's documentary on opioid abuse, and because I've seen HBO's take on it, and I've seen these reps being wined, these doctors being wined and dined by these reps, the Sackler family sort of geeing them up and having big parties and celebrating how well they've done selling these drugs. Matt, I'm, I'm guessing here that you don't have the background in this so much so you came to this practically cold yeah 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 no you're right yeah and apologies i i my internet cut out there for a couple of minutes so i don't know what ground you've gone over so if i'm going to repeat Mo was just saying how he hates white people okay that's fair okay (laughs) don't put that out there do not put that out (laughs) you are right i wasn't aware of the the subject matter and, and things like that but i think i've heard similar yeah. stories and, yeah. and and that sort of thing you know the unscrupulous nature of of the drugs industry which which is what they look at here really and you know these two fbi agents who are trying to uncover this that others i i suppose the thing is that they're going overground in i think 2002 2003 that rosario dawson's yeah. character has already tried to unearth three years earlier and no one listened to her at all and it's just sort of like this endless cycle it is an important story I found it quite a slog, if I'm honest, these first two episodes that I've watched. And I don't quite know why it is, if I'm honest. I I really enjoyed all the performances. I thought it was really well acted throughout. I suppose my thing is I'm not sure who I'm meant to be on the side of. You know, is it it justice am I meant to be on the side of? I hadn't prepared for that. 
And and I think as well, it's all very po-faced and serious. Everyone's very earnest in their performances. It's all very like grey. Everything is 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 very washed out. I think the structure doesn't help things. The constant flitting back between the years didn't bother me. I knew where I was. I was getting a handle on something and then then a new character would pop up and we would wait half an hour. You know, for example, like I was really invested in the Caitlin Diva character, but, you know, half hours go by without her appearing on screen. Maybe that's one of my issues with it. You know, I can Mm. understand why you've both enjoyed it as much as you have. And I'm not saying it's a bad show, but personally for me, I think this story would have been best served as a a movie. It reminded me very much, and I know you've seen this, Luke, of, of Dark Waters the yeah. Mark Ruffalo film, uh, which yeah. also has Mayor Winningham, who played um, Caitlin Deaver's mum in this, was the, the grandma in, in, in Dark Waters, Mark Ruffalo's grandmother. After a while, I was like, yeah, I get it. These drugs were bad. People got addicted to them. Can we move on? You know, I, that's how I felt personally. Like, this was being strung out a bit too much. They were trying to get you to focus on different characters. You know, as you say, the family, the Will Porter character, this rep who was torn, the earnest Michael Keaton, GP, the two FBI agents, one who's got prostate cancer, which I don't think we've mentioned, which is, no. it, it's it's all these little... too much to mention, actually. Th- there's all, yeah, yeah, and it's all these little extra bits that it seems like Danny Strong has added so he can stretch it out to, is it an eight-part series? Yeah. When I think it would have been more concise to tell this story as a two, two and a half hour film. And I felt that everything was a little bit elongated. I get the point. I know you're trying to get the the human face of this by showing us these characters, you know, in that second episode where the FBI meet the people who were involved in this advert and some of them had died because of their addictions. Well, they've also all been instructed not to mention the drug by name. And there's only so many of these scenes you can see. For example, there's the scene where... The girl we've met earlier on in 1996 who's worried she hasn't had her period is now, if I understood that right, she was the one who was offering sexual favours from her car. Was I right in that? That was the same character. There's only so many scenes you can have of, oh, it's shocking what this drug has done to people in the intervening years. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Maybe it wasn't a film because there's not going to be a happy ending. There are no heroes in this story. Nobody stood up and did the right thing. Well, no, that's wrong, isn't it? Like, the the, the FBI agents did. They're they're very determined. They got there too late, in effect. You can't say then they didn't do the right thing when they actually came upon, you know, the the heroes of the piece in light of there not being anyone else, really. And, you know, I just think that the story for me just felt like we are stringing this out because we've got eight hours to fill. We need these additional characters... But after a while, I was like, well, I get it now. Where are we moving to next? And it seemed quite slow in advancing the story. And, you know, we'll meet Rosario Dawson in 2002 when she's getting divorced. And then, oh, 1999, she's meeting the guy that she's getting divorced in the next scene. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't really know this character yet. That's sort of where I am on this, really. Fair enough. You know what I mean? That is fair. I do agree with your criticisms because I do think that particularly, you know, for that example you just used with Rosario Dawson's character, um, her love life and, and so forth. But I will say that I think that structurally this is built like a case like it was hmm. it literally feels as if you're putting together the prosecutorial evidence 
against the Sacklers and OxyContin. And so you do have all these sort of pieces that are just in the winds and that you're trying to build a narrative that supports. No, I get that. I see that from that perspective. Mm. But then if you were building the case, all the stuff with the Caitlin Diva stuff, that would not be in your case file, would it, I suppose, to, to, well, to argue against that point? Well, you know? no, but, but you need to put a human face mm. yeah, yeah. No, I get to that, that I issue. So, yeah. 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 I think they belabor the point of the amount of people that it affected, and I do understand that that was the point, but I just think for me personally, watching this as a series, it was a bit too strong out. I, I just did find it a slog and I didn't feel like I was as engaged as the other two programmes we're talking about this week. Which it, I know is a high bar, but And I certainly think if they maybe had cut like some of these extraneous characters out we would have gotten shorter episodes mm. and, and maybe yeah. some more laser focused episodes. These first two were over an hour. Mm. And most of them yeah. are over an hour. Yeah. And there's also, as I said, that you know, most of the characters we care about aren't long for the world because of what this drug will do to them. And to be fair to Matt, I don't, I don't quite know what the end game is. Is is the point of the show to shine a spotlight on something that the majority of America knows about, or is the point of the show to bring the sacklers to justice? In which case, we know as time of recording that has not happened. So I, I don't quite know. Spoiler. Yeah. I don't quite know what the end game is because mm. even Michael Keaton can't come out of this a hero because we, we know he's tortured and haunted by prescribing this drug. So I mean, is it just to shine a light like Spotlight did, for example? Is it to use a Michael Keaton reference? Just to mm. shine a light on something awful that has happened and that we need to be more aware of if we aren't already. Well, it could also be to make sure that the public understands the difference between... Purdue Pharma and the Purdue Chicken people. I mean, well, yes, which, that's a good point because that's pretty yeah. tough, isn't it? Yeah, which, that literally. Is. Ironically, I watched that second episode. There's that bit, isn't it? Is it Comey? Is that right? Yeah, yeah James, James Comey, who um, makes that mistake, or his people have made that mistake. And then I started the fifth episode of Girls Five Ever, where <laughs> the, the opening. I don't know if you've seen it, Mo. I know Luke I've watched watch the whole episode, The start of that is them promoting, isn't it? Like I've heard you, the first non-calorie boneless chicken or something like that. <laughs> yeah. We know where Matt stands. I'm already ploughing through. Mo, first of all, were you aware of the show? And second of all, will you continue after what you've seen? Yeah, I was I was certainly aware of the show. Uh, I just literally had not gotten a- around to it. But no, no, I'm definitely going to finish it. Finish okay, it out. Um, yeah, no, no, I planned on it. Also, Hulu having, I mean, I know Matt didn't really enjoy Dope Sick, but Hulu having one heck of a year. Just this and the great and only murders in the building and some other stuff they've got coming up. Just wow. Finally, then, we will end on what Matt just sort of teased up, which is a peacock comedy, try saying that three times fast, called Girls 5 Ever. Now, I've been wanting to watch this from the very day that I knew this existed. That's yeah, because forever is too short. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you won't get that. <laughs> what are you peacock. waiting for? <laughs> Girls, basically, <laughs> basically, Peacock launched softly on Sky. They even said it was a soft launch. I went ahead and thought, yes, jump on this. Get Mo on the podcast. He's mentioned his affection for it before. Let's get him on. 
tell people this is a thing. And then I looked on my Sky thing on whatever day it launched, on Wednesday, I believe. And Girls 5 Ever was the only Peacock original uh, comedy that wasn't on the list. But I am assured we will get it in the next two weeks. So we're doing this a little bit before you can actually see it properly, unless you do the wrong thing and do it nefariously, which we don't, you know, don't do that. Watch TV or watch it streamed. But Girls Five Ever is this comedy about a washed-up girl group who becomes famous again after a rapper called Little Stinker, who I hope will release his own stuff <laughs> in the near future, uh, samples their only hit. And Mo, if you could walk us through the rest of the first episode of Girls Five Ever, and then we'll talk about how brilliant Girls it is. Sorry. <laughs> latter part of the 90s early 2000s there was a deck your home with blinds.com diy or let us install free design consultation plus free samples and free shipping Ho, ho, ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off. Plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. During the popular girl um, girl band craze, there was sort a group the called... the TRL era, era, but I don't know if yeah. the UK audiences know what that is either. Again, the impetus for this reunion is, is that um, Sarah Bareilles' character, Dawn, after she hears Little Stinker's new song that samples the Girls 5 ever hit, she goes to their uh, 
former manager Larry, who is just really scummy. I mean, he is the scummiest <laughs> of the scum. Scummy he's manager. Brilliant. I love him already. Oh, yeah. But he's perfect. You know, he's like, I've gone to sensitivity training. I can do air honks now and so forth. She goes to collect their uh, royalty checks. One of the things I do like about this scene is they point out how these contracts that were probably, you know, written you know, back in, in the late 90s, didn't take into account, like, st- streaming and all this other stuff that we have yeah. now. And so it's like a pittance. And in her, in her mind, she's like, oh, well, I should be making more. Because Dawn, once Girls 5 ever broke up, she, you know, settled down with her partner. She has been working maybe at the string of jobs and currently works for her brother, you know, helping to manage her brother's restaurant for her this is an injection of it's outside the norm and so she jumps on it and don picks up these royalty checks from larry and then starts distributing them to the other members of girls five ever that are still around we meet uh buzzy phillips summer you know if you're familiar with buzzy phillips Luke, I, I know you probably remember her from freaks and geeks of course I, and... I mean if you remember mo we reviewed all the freaks and geeks last yes. year as well yeah oh so... uh, yeah what am i thinking like i like, <laughs> like see it, it's covid brain i blame <laughs> Any, COVID uh... brain. i don't think that this this first episode really does that character a lot of justice if anything it just demonstrates that summer is very much the sort of quasi-reality show celebrity that we've gotten, well, culturally that we have now. She, she really does a good job of demonstrating that. She auditioned that. for Real Housewives eight times. Yes. Yeah, she did. At first, Don is just like, oh, I'm just going to drop off this, this royalty check and, and move on. But once she connects with Summer, that creates, you know, additional momentum, you know, to reconnect with Gloria, Paula Pell's character, who, when they were a girl group, Gloria was a was a closet lesbian, and now feels very free to express herself. But you know, is 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 a dentist, but feels like at this point a low point in her life because, you know, she's divorced from her wife and her father's living with her. She sees this as this again bringing back Girls Five Ever possibly as a way to recapture you know this yeah. excitement in her life. If not, try to help get get back with her her ex wife. These three characters, you know, their uh, their manager, Larry, tells them about an opportunity to go on to the night show with Jimmy Fallon. And Jimmy Fallon's really known for bringing on celebrities who who were famous nostalgia, at one point. Isn't it? Nostalgia. Yeah, he he is. Well, his whole stick is is nostalgia. He does a lot of nostalgia. Acts I did and so like forth. the fact that they said he bought Revive Saved by the Bell. That Peacock have also revived Saved by the Bell. <laughs> I don't that know if that was a double. We haven't even gotten to Wiki, played by uh, Renee Ellis Goldsberry. I think people would naturally assume that Sarah Bareilles would be the star, but once Wiki gets on stage, all the energy, everything yeah. just shifts around th- this character who's very self-indulgent, who you know pretends to have this very glamorous life, but you know is is really much a diva of the group sees this opportunity, the, the Girls 5 of a reforming on The Tonight Show as an opportunity to go on tour with a little stinker. I gravitate to her character probably because I've been a fan of Renee Ellis Goldsberry going back to Ally McBeal. She did a stint on one of my favorite daytime soap, American daytime yeah, soap. If you, if you were waiting, <laughs> you were waiting <laughs> to take a drink. <laughs> but um, her musical talents and so forth really lends herself 
to this role well, of who playing this really. Sarah about Can you tell me then, though? Yeah. Are they are they really singing on these tracks? Then do we know that for sure? Yeah, actually they are. Because I mean, if you look up some of these YouTube videos, they have YouTube videos of them performing. <laughs> oh wow! Um, <laughs> so so they are they are singing, and I think TV's top five podcast they did they touched upon this when when the show uh, debuted on Peacock. Spoiler alert, you know, by the end of the first episode, Girls 5 Eva has reformed minus Ashley. Um, <laughs> who's who, a bench who, now? Who, who's <laughs> a bench? Died. Yeah. How did she yeah. die, Mo? Do you remember well, how she uh, died? An infinity pool accident. Yeah, she fell off the edge of an infinity pool. <laughs> yeah, it's, which, which, and I'm not sure how far along have you all gotten um, where you I, do. I think we're both at the end of Act 4. I've just started yeah. Act 5. Okay, so so there's a lot more Ashley stuff, and I like how they they, they continue to interweave Ashley into I, into future episodes. I do like episodes. how when you meet her, this is her seventh girl group that she's been yes, in. Yes, yes. She rattles off the other girl groups. Your groups. This year hasn't been strong because you know Matt and I were talking earlier uh, before we did the podcast about when we do our best of the year and what should be on it, and Matt said it's been a strong year, but I would say comedy is what this year has lacked, and I. Matt and I have been going back and forth just quoting bits that we like, and I'm still finding it I mean, the gag, the, the gag ratio time. in episode one is just like, bang, 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 bang. I, know. Mm. I mean, I know, I know you mentioned, Mo, about Wiki, and she sort of has the, you know, her online profile is that she's got this big vampire, as she calls it. Damn. And then, and then you know, that Dawn confronts her in the hotel room, and she admits, oh, no, I work at the airport. A shooting geese and I get paid by the goose, which is one of my favourite lines. Everybody in it is hysterically funny. The lines are hysterically funny, and it's not, it's not, because so often these shows they sort of crawl human and they make fun of people, and they, this is just so much fun from the minute it starts. Really funny, really on the ball. You almost feel bad for laughing so much because you're probably going to laugh over the next gag. I even like the brief bit where we got uh, Summer's daughter as this yeah. influencer Influence. on Instagram or YouTube or something. I am obsessed with this. I love the music. I love the nods back. Yeah, we should shout out to uh, the, mu- the music supervisor who is Tina Fey's husband, um, who also did the music for 30 Rock um, and Kimmy Schmidt. I, I uh, just... Jeff Richmond is his name. You know, some weeks I, I, we do the podcast and I sort of b- bemoan having home no. this week. No, I know I keep it hidden. I've never mentioned that on the podcast before, and I've certainly never said it to you privately. But um, this week, <laughs> I just—it's just been an absolute joy. All these shows, and I know we—we've had our discussion about Dope Sick, but all these shows are just TV firing on all the right cylinders for me mm. personally. It's just consistently funny. I mean, I mean, it's got a second season, Mo, and I know the critics loved it because that's how I was aware of it. Is it something that people that you know are aware of? Because that's always what worries me about these sort of streamers that people might not have access to. I think it, it depends. So, so, like, if people who are plugged in to uh, social media certainly are aware of this show, but uh, there are other people I know who I they look at me like, girls, what? And which famous. is a shame. If, <laughs> if, only their se- if only their second album hadn't come out on September the 10th, Mo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're flying but, planes to your heart. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, and I think part of the problem is that this traditionally would have been on 
NBC's terrestrial Thursday, lineup. Thursday night lineup. Or yeah, that's for, yeah. To lose this. and it's on Peacock. And Peacock in and of itself as a brand has problems as a streaming platform in terms of notoriety and so forth. And so I think that in terms of getting the word out there, that's probably hurt the show more than everything. But if you are a fan, you are a fan and you are a super fan. And From the word go. That's what I like. Yeah, I just loved it yeah. from the first minute. Perhaps what NBC will do, maybe prior to the release of the, the second season, they will do a run on NBC and maybe yeah. get and, and 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 that's a strategy that some of the other networks have done. Uh, CBS has done it with a number of their Paramount Plus, CBS All Access, CBS All Access shows. So we know that that had had that quote unquote Netflix effect. So so hopefully the same thing will happen because I think that we need more shows with the kind of energy and enthusiasm just for life that this show yeah. brings there's not a second of this that brings you down and you don't no. say that about anything i i think one of the things that i would mention as well is that the chemistry between the four lead oh. actresses is just brilliant you know yeah. for these ensemble pieces you do need that chemistry you know where it's these four characters who have all not seen each other for a long time coming back together bouncing off each other it's just it's really well done and and to use a loop phrase there is a warmth to it yeah. at its heart isn't it it's not just gag 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 there are characters beneath it and i think that first episode does a really good job of setting that up and yeah. then subsequent episodes you get i love the all the gags about the piano in the second episode which just sort of yeah. disappears from the flat because it's all and they have to like <laughs> throw a, a blanket to find out where it is i just <laughs> God, I can't praise it enough. I loved it so much. And, and Alf, Alf music in the third episode, the <laughs> Swedish music. <laughs> There's so many lines in the first episode alone that make me laugh. And I just uh, think... Like, she she all helped us get over our breakups with Moby. Yes. <laughs> I love that. American sitcom, traditional sitcoms get a bad rap. And maybe if this was on NBC... It would be a big hit, maybe not. I think the only sad part is Netflix, however much I might not like this, is still the streamer for most people. And I suppose the shame of something like Girls 5 Ever being on its own streamer is that it's never going to make, it's never going to become something that goes on Netflix where most people would find it and fall in love with it. So that's that's the problem we've got now with all these companies shifting away from netflix or amazon and saying we're going to make our own streamer is there's going to be gems on it like girls five ever and like only murders in the building on hulu that only get seen if you're a subscriber to those platforms and people are just going to feel inundated with well, I, I just think this. it's going back to what um i've forgotten his name the fx man said john langraff yeah, about there being too much TV, I think now more than ever. And I think, you know, that's why, you know, sites like ours are so important to sort of signpost people towards these programs. And, and, and you know, at the end of the year, when all the lists come out and, and this part, you know, like we're saying, this is a show that, you know, if you mention it to someone, certainly on this side of the pond, Luke, when it does eventually make its way to Peacock in a couple of weeks, yeah. No, I mean, I I wasn't aware. I, I did see an advert for Peacock the other day, um, and that was the first time I was aware it was coming over. I mean, I would I've have... I would have, I would have... From Sky yeah. on the day before it came to Sky, 
and that's when everybody got it. So it was very quiet, soft launch. I don't really understand why they did yeah, it like that. Yeah, they did put a trailer on where Saved by the Bell was quite prominent on there, I have to say. So I don't know if that's what they're selling on over here. <laughs> I, I have watched some of those, Mo, those, those new Saved by the Bells last year when they came. Okay. <laughs> if you did. Yeah, I did more for nostalgia than anything else. Yeah, Luke I... hasn't seen them. I, I don't know if we will review it at some point now it's over here, but my, my big feeling on that was I couldn't work out who it was for because, as you said, yeah. you know, we were of a similar age where we watched it as youngsters. So we would get all the sly jokes about like having a poster guy, for example, all those jokes we would get, but then we're not invested in these younger characters. Surely that's for the younger audience who then get the, the sort of the in jokes. And it was a bit of a mishmash for me. Yeah. We'll, we'll review it at some yeah. stage. Girls Fiverr that will be no, on Peacock. No, Luke, Luke, sorry. It's, Girls father ever. <laughs> Girls father ever. <laughs> 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 oh, I know that the TV's top five guys from the Hollywood Reporter were just desperate for those songs to be on iTunes or Spotify because they are just stuck in our heads now forevermore. Oh, I just love it. And who'd have thought Sarah Bareilles of Love Song? from 2008 would be a massive star in her own sitcom now and i'm but glad she's got, she's like written does she write waitress the musical and yeah. she's done mm-hmm. she's done a lot make sure you watch it and to make sure i will be shouting about it to anyone who listen on twitter on any platform i may hire a megaphone or a series of megaphones and an open top bus and just sing all the songs yeah <laughs> Luke sings the songs of Girls Five Ever. There's a bonus <laughs> podcast. Stick there's, on the a Christmas, there's a Christmas <laughs> disc you can get at Starbucks with a coffee. <laughs> it's always a pleasure, Mo, to have you on, and I really appreciate your insights on all these shows. Where can people find you if if they've just fallen under the smell of Mo Walker? I mean, we've been under it now for for years, Matt and I. But if people have just fallen under that spell, where can they find you, or perhaps get the antidote? <laughs> so yeah, I'm online, uh, Doctor Mo seventy seven on Twitter. Uh, yeah. I, I I did take a break, bit of a break online. I nearly called I'm, the internet, please. I think you yeah. should know. Thank. I appreciate you checking on me, Luke. I'm 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 getting back to re- regular posting and other things good, good. i'm hoping the podcast that i'm on geek competition we're, we're hoping that we'll have some new content soon as well so but but mostly yeah just just hit me up on, on twitter okay dr mo 77 on twitter as we always say not unlike michael keaton not a actual medical doctor and we should say that if you knew got, you would get that in there at some point if Luke. you've got a pimple, <laughs> if you've got a pimple popping issue by all means, send Mo a picture, but he can't diagnose it, is what we're saying. In fact, send him a load of pictures of your pimples and see what you get back. <laughs> ew, ew. That, that's been a long podcast for the three shows we talked about, but I've loved each one of them like they're my own children. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, send your pimple pictures to Mo and we'll be back soon. Girls Bye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. 
selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.